welcome to the NDA podcast. We're here to challenge topics the industry has been keeping under waiver for years. Unfiltered conversation with no fear of being cancelled. Bringing creatives of different levels, different backgrounds and very different opinions together. Debating the issues we only dare discuss over our Twitter DMs. So get ready for some honesty because we're about to break all the NDAs. So welcome back to NDA team. Thanks for joining us again. I'm assuming you're here with us because you got a really lovely notification this morning. Um, If you didn't, hit subscribe. I don't want you to miss anything. Today's topic has been at the top of everyone's list to discuss, like literally every DM, every email, comment, phone call I've had, people want to talk about it. It's a contentious subject of design awards. So that's what we're going to do today. Welcome to an award-winning episode so judges, winners, losers, total disagreeers, got guests from literally every side of the fence today. We're going to hash out all the issues. I don't know if we'll get to them all um, around awards. So I'll let them introduce themselves. Alice, do you want to kick off? Yes. So hi, I'm Alice Ishiguro-Tozi. Um, I don't really have a specific job title. I'm a bit of an independent creative, currently doing a master's, a bit of freelance um, teaching and personal work. And I'm firmly in the middle, I'd say. I've won awards, I've judged awards. Um, I can definitely see the benefits, but um, I can see the negative sides to them as well. Hi, I'm Mitch Peone. I'm the partner and creative director of Dia Studio. Also um, educator and across a bunch of schools in Europe um, on the awards. I'm in the not interested in awards camp with few exceptions. There are exceptions to this rule, but in generally, I'm a strong uh, critic of the whole industry, so to speak. Hey, I'm Rob Duncan. I am one of the partners and creative directors of Mucho here in San Francisco. The first thing I'd like to say is there's six partners in Mucho. So this is just my opinion. I think everyone in Mucho actually has a different opinion on awards as well. So I'm not tiring everybody with the same uh, opinion that I have in Mucho. But I'm definitely for awards. I've judged awards, I've won awards. And having an international design agency, and we might speak about that later, I can see the benefits of awards. Hi, I'm Katharina Tudbull. I'm creative director at Soup Union in London. And um, I would say I've always been pretty interested in awards throughout my career. So probably coming down on the more positive side of things. Awesome. And by now you know me, I'm Katie Cadwell. My pronouns are she, her. I'm definitely here to stir the pot today. Uh, I've been looking forward to this one. And I've got so many opinions from people, especially on Design Twitter, that I'm going to be relaying. Um, But before we get into that uh, side of the argument, I was thinking we might start with the pros. I think it's sort of forgotten when we discuss design awards, we often talk about it in relation to designers and how it makes designers feel and kind of profile building. But I wanted to talk about clients. How do how do clients feel about awards? Do they do they get them? Do they come to you because you're award winning? I guess do clients care is my first question. I can I can start that off with a little bit of opinion on that. I think there is this general perception clients don't care about awards. You don't get work just you know clients aren't looking at blogs necessarily design blogs definitely not books that's an old-fashioned way but um but what we what i find is when i've worked with a client sorry for the 
for the American um, sirens in the background. When we've worked in clients and we've won awards with them, they love it when we tell them that they've won an award working with us. And that tends to help new business, extended business from them come, maybe the further year or, you know, one of the best ways of keeping business coming in is to work with clients you've already worked with in the past. So I think it's important. Um, they enjoy it. But they also then refer us, if they've enjoyed the process of working with us, if they've won awards working with us, we, they then tell their friends when they're, when they're asked, do you know a good designer? They'll say, yes, Mucho did this, they won awards. So I think that really helps in terms of do clients, you know, do they, do they care about awards? It's not directly, but I think indirectly. It's up to us to help clients care in a way about awards. If we just leave it and just say, do they care or not? I don't think they really do. I guess, Kath, I wanted to ask you, because you've won a couple, some projects being very notorious and kind of cleaned up across the board in all the different award schemes. So do you get clients come to you like, you did this award-winning work, I want to win awards too? I think the, the some of those projects um, certainly attract new business. You know, they people are interested in something like this. Now, we wouldn't kind of want to sell something like a project that we've done before, but it certainly does, you know, people notice them. I think it's also just a really useful shortcut to show that you are an agency that is about creativity in a, in a really basic sense. Um, just that being able to sort of see the award-winning status does just give clients a certain reassurance that this is a very creative place. So I think that sometimes even just seeing those lists, which might make you kind of puke when you see them on people's websites of how many awards they've got, it's it's a useful shortcut. Mitch, if you you don't really have that, right? The clients aren't coming to you because you win awards, because generally as a rule, you don't you don't we, enter them. The, uh, the last award I won was in 2008, um, and that was the last award I ever wanted to enter because of the whole experience I had with it. So, and I think for me. It was, I'll be candid, it was at Art Directors Club Young Guns. And then I was asked to be a juror on that. And then when I saw the jury process, I saw the actual process of being a juror. And then really quickly understood the politics that were involved in how, who got in, how, how things got cho chosen, all this stuff. I was like, I don't want anything to do with this. So at that point, uh, I think it became very deliberate. Like the work needs to speak for itself. If we're doing really good work, uh, then it should just work itself out. In our case, we've been lucky and it certainly has. We, we work with massive clients and the words aren't really a point of discussion. And we have actually, we've had clients try to submit our projects to award shows and we're like, we're staying out of it if you want to, fine, but we're staying out of that submission process. You can do it if you want. So it always has been, I think that experience kind of shook me. Um, so I, I don't know, it's less about the awards for the clients, but I think the it opens up the politics of the award show a lot that to me got me nervous about the whole thing. Actually, I was going to ask Alice from a slightly like different point of view, your awards, I guess, were really profile building. So not just to clients care when you were like looking to change jobs, do, do agencies care? Do you put that stuff on your CV? And then now that you're independent, I guess, is that something that you use to like sell yourself to clients? I think Definitely when you're a junior trying to move on, um, I think it does help if you've won some awards because it can kind of show, one, your involvement. It's something you can speak, speak about. Um, but then it was interesting 
kind of going, I guess, freelance and independent and then going abroad in that you feel like it's a way in with a bit of gravitas, but I think ultimately it's down to whether they perceive it in that way or not. I think it's down to the individual, isn't it, of what, what they can see. Um, but I did, you know, I do put it on my CV. I put it on my website. Not that I feel it makes my worth, but just because it is something that you can add in case it's of benefit, I'd say. I would say that travelling that you mentioned just there is really important. So, for example, in our studio, we have British, Australian, Chinese, Korean, Romanian, not very many Americans, actually, in our studio. And the only way I can get that talent and people want to move from UK or Australia to work for us is if they show they've won awards. Because immigration, especially immigration officials, they're judging it. They're not specialists in design. They judge it on awards, whether you're an actor, designer, writer, whatever. So having awards listed has really helped people travel. It helped me stay here when it comes to green cards. I had to show that I won awards to get a green card. So do my designers at the same time. So I think personally that's where awards are really helpful for us as a studio. We don't show them on the website. We don't say we've won awards. Everybody's an award-winning design agent, you know. But uh, I think using it internally to help the culture and help grow this kind of international design um, studio. Awards are really, really important. Someone just kind of came at me on that subject because I tweeted something about we don't do this. And then um, I had a 50-50 camp of people. Yeah, that was me. And that's kind of an interesting thing because in, in American immigration, and in, in, it's interesting because I'm also an immigrant in a different country and that wasn't, one of the classifications to get visas. So that was one of the arguments that came back to me. And I said, well, if I'm a immigration officer in the US, they don't know the difference between ABC Young Guns versus Joe Schmo Ad Club in New Jersey at the ward is just a ward. So I threw it back. I was like, well, you could have just gotten some random awards and that would actually suffice in the eyes of the immigration versus the eyes of the industry. So, it, <laughs> but I do understand and empathize that because that wasn't definitely something that I brought up or thought about about the awards thing. And I tell you what, you're right. Some people do that too. They know the boxes to tick and in order to get in, they do it themselves. We've had we've had um, designers do this as well. You're, it can be done as well. It doesn't mean, it doesn't have to be DNAD, Art Directors Club. It could be a local design award from a small town in China. So I guess that's, that's the question. Does it have to be? You know, it always helps when it is that DNAD because you have to prove as well if it's that or if it's one of the big awards. You know, is it on the level as kind of an Oscar for an actor? Is it on, especially if you go for the big O ones, there, there's kind of different types of ways you can come in and travel around a country. So it takes a lot longer on visas on an H-1B or if you have the smaller awards. But if you can show that that's a really high award, and prove it, you know, you're right, immigration officers don't know, but you, you've got write-ups from their award schemes, and it really helps in travel and visas to get in quicker. And also green card, if you, if you have lower awards, it's going to take you two or three years to get a green card in America. If you have the O-1, you can get it in five to six months. So the level of awards does make a bit of a, a, bit of a difference. The, just on that, like, level of awards, say you've got, like, an inbox of... 50 portfolios 
uh, from grads and you see a couple of one new blood, isn't that a shortcut? Kathy, you're nodding. Is that a shortcut? So you go for them first because you feel like um, they've got a little bit of, um, I don't know, that kind of cements that they've got something to, to offer or there's going to be something good in that folio. I think we're always interested to see what's coming through DNAD's education schemes, the various ones. I, I was involved with DNAD as a trustee as well. So I kind of have seen lots of different sides of the award side, but also the education side. And so whether that's um, Academy, New Blood, um, or the awards themselves or Shift now as well, um, which is students who are, haven't been through university, there, there's, a, there's a level reached um, that's, again, it's, it's handy to take a look at those people. They're usually worth looking at and they're interesting. It might make you a bit lazy. You should probably be casting your net a bit further um, as well. But certainly, I think even when I was at college a long time ago, the DNAD student awards were important to us and very hard to win, just like the professionals. And it sort of sets that up as being something to aim for. Uh, Mitch, were you shaking your head when I asked oh, yeah. that question? I mean, it's, it's of course, it's not a it's a not thing for for our studio at all. And, and I mean, I think we're pretty specific. So like what we're looking for in specific talent is there that has to be illustrated within their work immediately and the awards are really irrelevant to that and so and maybe it's the criteria of the hiring to the our, our studio is quite small and quite specific in what we're doing so it really just needs to be illustrated directly in the work and i think we're immediately looking at that we don't have like a resource manager cutting through portfolios and stuff like i'm the one looking at the emails of the new business then i'm gonna i know what i'm looking for so that wouldn't really necessarily hit the criteria for us. I think it's more just that we found that those people coming through tend to be pretty good. So it's not necessarily looking out for them, but it does seem to be uh, a quality to, to win those. Yeah, when you're looking for great talent, you'll know from the you'll know from the letter they're going to be good even before you see the work, and then you'll see the work and you'll go, yep, and then you'll read through it. And if there's awards that they've won that are recognizable to us, that are really well respected. Kind of the ice, you know, it's a cherry on the cake then, you know. They would they don't have to win awards because any any good designer can see great talent, whether or not they've won an award. And I know that it was a long time ago, well not too long ago, Alice, but do you think that that helped you get in the door? You think that helped you get your first job, the fact that you'd been involved in awards and, you know, kind of won some and and was that a big part, do you think, in like helping you get into the industry? I think so. well, when I was at university, they always tried to say, you know, what what can make you stand out? Because we were kind of told lots of studios get so many applications. So you need to be able to kind of call upon those things that can add that extra level. Um, whether it made a difference or not, I, um, I'd have to ask the studios I applied to. But I feel like to be able to put it on my cover letter and kind of use the promotion side, I guess, of New Blood and what came with that, I think it does help get kind of one step further possibly sweet that's a nice amount of positivity isn't it so we're going to go into some negatives because boy is the list long if i read out some of these dms unedited um we would definitely be explicit so we may as well just go for it let's talk about the cost dnad prices aren't out for 2022 yet but they range between 
£200 and £500 ADC is $100 up to $700. This is per entry, of course. So, And some of these categories are so nuanced, right? They're so niche. So you could have an amazing, huge brand job and you might want to put it into copywriting illustrator brand. You know, yada, yada, yada. List goes on. Uh, Can Lions is just unbelievable. 650 all the way up to 2000 Um there are millions more. So it would be really amiss of us not to acknowledge that there's an exclusivity to them and there's a privilege to them. And perhaps if you're a bigger studio, it's easier It's easier to do it. So what does everyone think about the price? I feel like everyone's going to have a say on this. I could start the negative tone on this one. This is, this is the heart of the issue, that award shows are businesses and aren't necessarily serving the interests of the creative industry. Because this is why there's exceptions, because if I look at the Swiss Design Awards, for example, free entry, you get $20,000 if you win it, that supports grants and stuff. Those are exceptions because they're funded and they're free and enter. Um, and they're supporting, literally supporting projects where this is like you pay a huge amount of money to get something just to actually have to pay for the trophy if you win, too. Got to add that. So then you see that there's a structure there that's set up as a business and then then the politics and then the problems start to arise. And this is where I have a lot of issues. So the cost of entry makes it exclusive. Um, if you are a smaller studio, it's expensive. But then like, what do you get out of it? It's, you know, you, maybe you get a trophy or something. So then, and then who are the judges? Why are they being chosen? Who, you know, then it gets, then you can start to pick this apart from a business perspective. If you don't, if you just look at that whole industry as designed just on the premise to kind of take advantage of this, maybe an insecurity that we have that we have to prove ourselves by having awards for our work. Um, so I'm just going to leave it there because that might open up a can of worms. Discuss, <laughs> um, but yeah, it's an industry. It's an industry. I mean, I can speak to uh, experience with DNAD specifically, but also just observations about other schemes. I think it's clear that the big holding companies and the big ad agencies that enter many, many projects and have huge, huge award budgets uh, are a big, big part of this machine, right? They are entering the vast majority. And if one of those holding companies drops out in a year, it's absolutely devastating for the awards industry. So they are making up a huge amount of this stuff. Um, and there is a big difference, I think, between advertising industry and the design industry, even in an agency like the one I work for, which is big. There's been lots of discussions at DNAD about the price for design versus ad advertising because of the way that the work is different and the fees are different. Um, and I think at certain points, there might have been tiering for smaller agencies, agencies under a certain number of employees and things like this, which should continue, in my opinion, um, because certainly for those small and medium agencies that choose to enter every year, it's a huge cost and a huge decision-making process in what to enter. Um, even for bigger agencies, I think when you have many projects and many teams, you've got to be quite strict with yourself. You can't blanket bomb, but you do see in the advertising category, certainly that's happening a lot. So I think there's a big imbalance there and um, the pricing should reflect the reality of what we charge, even you know, bigger agencies. We're not, we're not doing the same as advertising necessarily. Um, I was going to ask, do you think that you know, maybe this is more like Catherine Rob, how much you spent, how much do the agencies spend on awards on average? I did ask a few people, but they, people were a bit sheepish, very, very, very cagey to admit how much that, how much they actually spend per year on awards. It depends if we do any work that's good enough to enter the awards for us. I mean, year in year, sometimes you have a 
you know, you're not going to enter everything you do, although there are some agencies, I won't name which ones they are, but they do enter everything they do into every single category, even to the point where if they've just done a logo, just putting the logo in the top left corner of a website means they enter it into web design and interactivity because it does the tiniest bit of animation, which is slightly annoying. But um, yeah, I mean, the last year, this last year, we did have some lovely projects we had um, that we wanted to enter. So we spent a good good amount of money entering awards, but not every award, just the ones that we really um, care about, such as TNAD, Type Directors Club, Creative Review Annual. The hardest ones to get, we could try and enter because we understand that if it does win, it means a lot more and we know, we understand the politics of the jury, etc., um, to get into. But I'd imagine there's agencies that every year they enter everything they ever do and have a big budget and we don't. We just enter if we think it's got a chance, or if we would we'd like like it. But to I be imagine seen. there are also smaller agencies that enter a lot because they're trying to build profile and they're trying to, you know, for all the things we talked about, attract clients, um, attract talent, and then that could have huge ramifications. And I, I just wanted to, because Alice, you've just done the most beautiful personal project. You know, entering that into awards, would you consider it, or do you just feel like you're not? in a financial situation to be able to to do it justice? Um, no, I, I didn't consider that. I think the reason I did the personal project is that's almost my my award, if that makes sense. I think when I was younger, um, I did, you know, I strove for awards because it's a way of kind of, it's a gratification, isn't it? It's a nice thing um, to have. But I think slowly I've turned to personal work as my kind of, release um I suppose for that um so I yeah I haven't have really thought about it but I don't think saying that if I was interested in it I think the cost would be yeah it would be slightly off-putting because you need to put that investment kind of in yourself especially during these times I think so um, yeah I just want to chat quickly about free award schemes um and I guess you could say that if we're looking to find the best work then they should be free do you think the standard of all those entrants will be much lower because anyone who has a computer can enter this award and they don't have to pay for it? And so then, you know, I just wonder if that kind of, there is a bar for a reason. I think it would be. I think you'd get, to your point, every project entered. And I think the that self-selecting and, you know, creatives entering the work and making a judgment of this isn't good enough. This year we're not entering or next, you know, the, but we've had a brilliant year. We're going to find the money because we've got some amazing stuff. You know, you don't enter the same amount every year. Um, free stuff. I mean, I've, I've, I've judged awards where there's, there's a lot entered and, you know, you, you kill so much really quickly and maybe that's fine. And it's, you know, much more democratic and open if everyone can enter for free. How that's funded in terms of everything else that needs to happen is a question, I suppose, there. But you just have to go through a massive cull. You'd spend days and days doing the online rounds and getting rid, and then you'd be left with a few things. That's a good point, because I think what you said is how it's funded would be an issue, because you have to have the judges. What, but what's happened in the past, I think, is remote judging has made it cheaper for people to get the judges, because you don't have to pay for them to travel but I don't think that's been good for awards. I think that's been negative 
that, that's really bad because I, I did it that way. And I, for one, I found it hard to find the time. I always kept putting it off and then I'd rush it. Whereas I much preferred when I would go somewhere, have two days to just dedicate to looking at work. Also meet people and discuss it as a jury and judge. And that takes money because then, uh, you know, the scheme has to go up somewhere, fly you there. So I'm, I don't want to change the subject, but I think remote judging and um, judging awards, as, as, as Mitch got put off by seeing the, the process that there is that goes behind it, I think that's really an important part of this whole discussion. Yeah, I think as well. it's really important that judging is taken seriously and people invest that time and the discussion and show respect to the work. And it is, I, it's just coming back, right, in-person judging. The remote stuff had definitely more international juries, really good. Lots of people from all over the world together. That's a good thing. Um, and also the award ceremony not being in person. And so then it's like, well, how valuable is this award if I can't stand up on stage in front of my peers and everyone's clapping? You know, maybe it's well, less of a thrill. Why, why have I paid all this much money to enter the awards and where's all this money going? Exactly. If all the judges are remote. There's yeah. no event. There's no book. There's nothing else it's still as expensive as it ha has been, even more so than it was last year and the year before during the pandemic, then where is this company and where is this money gone in the last few years and how is it being reinvested, et cetera? I, they have to be transparent with that, I think, and tell the community. I mean, if you, if you think about free free award shows, you gotta think about like how the entries are, are actually set up anyway. So I, I don't think it lowers the bar. I think this is a bad example, but I've been in in Switzerland in the last three years, and and the Swiss Design Awards are free to enter. The most beautiful Swiss books are free to enter, but also you have to have a Swiss residency, or there's there's criteria that weeds out things. But and also it's a really rich small country that can afford these things too, so there's some caveats there. That being said, there it doesn't lower the bar. I mean, everybody submits. They go through the process of weeding, weeding through things. And I think, you know, if there's criteria set, if they know the judges are who they are, they're excited about seeing the work in front of those people, you're going to get the best work submitted depending on, you know, A, the organization and the judges that are there. So to top that off, I think what's interesting about that example is the Swiss Design Awards provides a $20,000 grant to the winners across the categories. So then there's actually financial gain and support from the the actual institution providing the award moving forward, not just a trophy or a thing to put on there. You get that and then you get assistance. So then there really is a push to get the best work in there because there's some real gain right out the gate. Now, that being said, it's Switzerland, it's rich and small, so then they, they can do these things, but that, that, isn't, that, that isn't to say that an organization couldn't do that. Like there's certainly organizations that could do that. And and I think, you know, I think the Cooper Hewitt has their awards, but those are selected just from people's work. Those aren't like submitted. People just get awards because they get chosen based on what they've been doing. Like those are slightly different in their regard. And that, that kind of hits my caveat. So I don't think the free or cost of entry thing is uh, an issue for quality. Um, I think it, we, it, it actually is a, it's a deterrent for people to, like smaller people or independent people would even do that because they have to pay for it. But um, it's just an interesting analogy from this micro example here. But I mean, there were a few, I guess, like the, the select like that, like the design museums awards or whatever, you know, selecting, right, rather than people entering. And I think that is really interesting because then you really are 
going out there and looking for the standout projects without putting yourself forward at all. Right, and that's they're really interesting. That's my exception. I think what you said, Mitch, about the judges as well in that last comment was important. That the judges are judges that people really respect, really look up to. They're well known, and there's this. You know, now we're going to get into the equality and diversity thing. Is has remote judging allowed more people that didn't have the opportunity to judge be judges? Is that a good thing? I'm not sure it is. I think when you see the quality of judges, that helps people enter too. And it also, if you're awarded by somebody you respect, you know that you feel there's almost that circle of excellence that that then keeps things going and improving design community on itself. What makes a what makes a quality judge though? Like how do you is it someone who's won an award gets to judge the same award and then the, we go round and round in a circle and we end up in an echo chamber and that's why we've ended up with the design industry that we've got because we elevate this, the people the same as us. Like I just question that how, this is my how problem. do we choose them? <laughs> this is my this is my problem yeah. because there's a good judge is like we idolize people or think they're great people to put the work in front of. But on the flip side, person being in that position, I'm like, this is quite uncomfortable that I have to pit other creative people against each other in a competitive format. So right there, then, and then everybody has their motives and their politics. So like, you know, someone who's involved in an agency or friends with so-and-so may be nicer on certain judges and other things. There's certainly bias that gets into the decision-making without a doubt. I'm guilty of it when I did it. I was like, I didn't mean to, but I just preferred this kind of work because that's my preference. And someone could play to that easily. So, and then that's, it opens up this idea that it becomes competitive, this competitive aspect that's like based on a subjective opinion on judges or group of judging gets really complicated and weird. Um, And to me, quite uncomfortable from like a, like a personal thing, like why am I why am I having to compete? And these people are the people that are the gatekeepers of this. So then it then it kind of unravels, at least for me. There has to be some kind of way of picking judges, though. Otherwise, you know, if you look at an awards, I would look at an awards, and if I don't know any of the judges, I wouldn't. I probably wouldn't enter because um because you know you tend to, and I don't know if I am we. You tend to go, especially for the big ones, you know, when we only enter the big ones. I would look at the judges and go, okay, um, these guys I know, I respect them, they've been around. You're hoping that people that have been around for years, that have won awards, they don't have to have been around for years. They could have just been somebody young, like young Mitch here, who hasn't been around for years, but he really did something different in the industry. And we'll have a different perspective on when he's seeing work, and um, it's a tricky one because you're going to get you're going to get this diversity, equality, you know. And I would say, if we can make awards so that people, anybody, could enter them, that's the better way of ticking those boxes, you know. Um, maybe that the judges need to have shown that they they know how to look at work. They have a they have some kind of commentary in the community. I don't know what it is, but um, I'm probably being uh, sounding elitist now and upsetting a lot of people on this. um, I have um, some thoughts on this one because I'd say 20 odd years ago, DNAD was the graphic design jury on DNAD was the same bunch of guys. Every year they went to Brighton or whatever it was in those days and they judged each other's work and they had their little gangs and the 
that really was a thing, I believe, when I was starting out. Um, my first experience judging was really uncomfortable because I felt there were political decision making going on and jury presidents leading the jury really, really heavily to the point of almost bullying some of the more junior people that might have been on that jury. And that gave me a really bad impression after kind of thinking awards were a really good thing. And then seeing some of that put me off a lot to, to what you've been mentioning. Um, I think that the efforts that have been made in the last 10 years have been extremely important in terms of gender balancing juries and ensuring that where possible, the in, when I've judged with international jurors from Japan, from China, the, the from India, the points of view, the local points of view when looking at work from those countries is completely invaluable, right? The, the, the Western or Western jurors don't know what they're looking at in the same way. And we can have really interesting discussions about the value of design in these different places. So international jury is also really important. I do agree that there's got to be some kind of uh, quality of, of the work of those people to, to make them eligible in the first place. But I don't think it's about just as it used to be, you've won a yellow pencil, therefore you're, you are a yellow pencil judge next year. What I think really helps is if the jury president is extremely well briefed and that they can be super clear on the criteria and the organization can really help every juror understand what makes this level of award or that level of award. And maybe there's not enough that goes into that, but I think blocking younger people um, or those who are you know, just starting out, but doing really amazing things from joining that conversation would be a massive backward step. Do you know how the juries are chosen? How, how do they choose? I mean, it's been a few years since I was inside, if you see what I mean, but um, I'd say that there's often looking at the winners from last year, okay? port of call, who, who's winning, you know, extend that invitation. That still happens, certainly. And I'd say that jury presidents usually are awarded, multi-awarded and, and have judged before. It used to be a criteria too, that you had to have participated in judging to be the lead on the jury. Um, but there's another method, which is recommendation from the community and from the jurors people put forward where there might be someone up and coming that hasn't got the profile yet, but has done great stuff. And I think getting a really good mix of those people, when we've got younger people on jury, juries who are looking at work that's aimed at young people, when the audience is youth and you've got a bunch of old people going, mm, it's a bit rubbish, you know, you want that voice of someone who's actually that age of the audience. So it's tricky though. And I don't think it's they get it right every year on every jury, I'd certainly say, but I think it's important to to try and uh, mix it up. I just wanted to ask, Alice, you did it, I think, if not last year, the year before, was it? How did you uh, how did you find it? Was it was it what you expected? For, so I've I've done New Blood twice, um, and they've all been remotely um, for me. And then I did some judging in Tokyo this year, which again although it was in Tokyo, it was remote. I've had really positive experiences. I haven't had any negative ones, but I can kind of probably understand um, what Kath's just touched upon that, you know, I think the jury president or whoever's leading it is really important. And I think in all the instances, they were always asking for everyone's opinion, ensuring that everyone had a voice. Um, I think there has been such a mix. I, I really like when there's you know young people coming in because I think the industry changes so we need to also listen to the new generation that's coming in that will be driving it um so I really I can see again I know I'm in the middle with everything but I can really see that I think you need that wisdom that experience but I also think 
you need to balance that out with a mixture of creatives but then where that kind of I think has its downfall is when suddenly someone who for example is an illustrator is judging graphic design that's where I think the blurred lines and um, kind of come in and that's not a good mixing up of judges I'd say. There's also a lot of judges sometimes too I feel like there's too many judges sometimes you know how hard it is for everyone to agree on something the more people you have it just seems to get even harder what is that like for people that haven't been haven't been judges before does it is it like battle to the death with playing tug of war over a poster what's it like coming to the final decisions i think again it depends on remote or in person because i think in remote um there's always a little delay when you're remote and you don't want to pick over somebody like i did so sorry um but in a room you, you together i think it you, you have a personal connect. You start to get to know your judges as well. So, and it's not just about judging the work. I think you go out to dinner together, drinks together. You know, you're staying in the hotel together. So there's this camaraderie that that helps those discussions about what what is good work and great work. And um, again, there's usually the ones that speak more than others, and the shyer ones, and the more outgoing, etc. But Generally, everyone respects people, I think. They res- respect their opinions. So I think it's probably a pandemic thing, too, that there's been bigger juries um, to get through online entries and things like that. And I think getting back down to sort of uh, six or seven or whatever, uh, getting together in a room and having real discussions over the work is, is much better. Um, and to be, you know democratic about it but also really fight your corner if you think something is great and people aren't paying it enough attention you, you explain why and and if someone's quietly sitting there looking unhappy then try and make sure they're getting their say as well so that's why I think the other people facilitating the judging from the organization if they if they do that well in-person judging is it can be brilliant in terms of debate and, and unearthing some things sometimes that people sort of overlook at first and then it sort of comes to the top so yeah I'd agree on on some of those aspects but I feel like Mitch you had the opposite experience I want to hear why you mm. why you gave up awards forever it's absurd it's like completely fucking absurd to me that we just sit in a room and then like battle it out and talk about whose works better than the next person for these reasons and and for particular reason that we don't really understand that what went in on, into those projects leading into that. For example, we, we grade branding projects that come out the year they're shipped. Typically, half those projects are rebranded within two or three years because they failed as projects for the client, but yet they won all these awards because they look beautiful in the award show. And then, then I start to look at this at a bigger scale. So then we're talking about grading work, not really understanding the full spectrum of what's going on. We're also grading service industry work too, which is complicated because we're dealing with client stuff. It's not like we're, it's not like architecture where they win some like a like bid for the project and they build the building they want. Um, it, there's back and forth with client that made the work that, the way it is. It may have taken two, three years to get there. So I think when we like go macro on that, the, it's uncomfortable. To, and then all of a sudden, you have, you know, you're talking to judges and everybody's arguing this is the typography is better than that. But then, but there's also these other factors that go into the work that we may not be thinking about when we're, we're when we're grading that. On the flip side, if I am a enter, then I put myself out on a limb, saying, "Hey, 
this work I think is gonna gonna be good. And then it gets not not awarded anything. And then you get set with this, oh, I didn't win the award this time, I didn't award this time, I didn't win award this time. Then the confidence of that person's creativity falters because of this competitive atmosphere. So and and I think, sorry, I probably opened up a big a lot of stuff. Um, because I think there, there's a lot of problems with the criteria of the awards themselves, particularly in design, because I think there's to judge award as a good project, short changes, especially on what the criteria is and how it's presented or where it's going to be. For example, half the stuff that we do is never printed. And then a lot of the judges force the stuff to be printed and set in, you know, like there's all these disconnects. And then it's just interesting that we are, you know, arguing over these like nuanced details and craft essentially, but are missing the picture of, of, of things. But anyway, that's a lot. I just kind of dumped a lot there. I think the criteria is really important because there, for, to your point on a, a rebrand not being judged yet when it's uh, brand new, uh, but there are effectiveness awards, right? And, and those can be entered too if you want to prove that, that it had this impact of some sort. But when you're talking like pure design awards, the, and sorry to bang on about DNAD, but it's the one I know best, the, the, the criteria being idea, craft and relevance, three really simple things to judge. And, and the idea for me is the bit that makes me like DNAD the most is that that is rewarding a great creative idea if it's really well crafted and relevant and fit for purpose and all those things, then it can get to that top level. And yes, it is about just creativity and not has it increased sales or whatever. Um, but I suppose when you go back to the history of this organization, that's what DNAD is there to do to celebrate the great creativity. I think also what's interesting is I judged ADC this year and then I saw what came out and got judged in DNAD. And I know the pretty much the exact same work was being entered by the same studios for each of them. Yeah. Stuff that was winning gold, super gold, you know, the most awarded thing, ADC, didn't even get into DNAD. Yeah. It was and a I'm controversial thinking, year this year for brand and graphic design in DNAD. And, and there's a lot of chat about it, yeah. There was so much great work this year that didn't get into DNAD. Mm. Let's be generous. Let's not got, get all up our own frigging asses here. You know, if we see great work, there is a quality, you know. Mm. It doesn't have to be. If, there's judges that will say, oh, the kerning's out on that. Like, I'm not entering it. It's like, yeah, but the idea's brilliant, okay? you get, Come on. And you get into those kind of arguments too. So, what happens if you're you know, if you're in those rooms and you? I mean, I am thinking a little bit back to the boys' club of twenty years ago, where it felt like everyone awarded their pals pencils. I don't think we're in that place anymore. But no, I don't have we gone? Not. Have we gone the other way? So you see work that your friend did, and you're like, "Oh right, I can't, I can't give. I, th can't. I know them, I'm and I know the project so well already. I've read it on brand new. Um, so what do you do in I mean, that situation? I do think it's really interesting that work gets out there and, and, you know, people PR their work instantly. So sometimes people are bored. By the time awards come around, they're like, oh, I've seen it so many times. It might be a good tactic to hold off, don't PR it, right? No one knows who did it because there can be a bit of fatigue seeing the same big rebrand again and again. Um, and I also think sometimes when people are on a jury, they their standards go crazy, they're like, exactly. they go to exactly. this point where it's, it's mad level that you need to achieve and you sort of need to pull them back down and get realistic. And to your point about 
understanding some of the reality of the project, because sometimes you look at something, you think these guys have done an amazing job just to get this through, right? I'm amazed that this client bought this idea. It's not perfect, but they deserve a massive pat on the back because they've got something brilliant through. You know, when you enter and you write that blurb, hopefully a good judge should read it and understand the context. And it might not be the top criteria, but they should be thinking about within this sector, within this world that this project's in, what has this person achieved? So I think bringing people down a bit in the jury as well to not be crazy, like that everything's shit, everything's shit. I'm not giving any awards. I mean, you look at the DNAD annual and 75, 80% of it is advertising and there's a tiny little section on graphic design. And you look and you know you've seen work over the year on Brand New or wherever in the blogs and you go, there was so much great work out there. Where's that? How did that not get in? How did that not get in? I do wonder if designers are mean. One thing that's interesting. Well, I think what designers do is egos when they're judges. Suddenly they're like the best designers themselves and they're the ultimate (laughs) hero of design. What feeds into the entry too, this is like another thing that I have a big problem with is that case study that goes to the judging awards isn't the real work that's on like the website or the actual project. That's my next question. Like what, <laughs> I, I, it drives me crazy. I'm uh, like, that case study looks nothing like what was activated. Therefore, this is bullshit. This is like, this is fake news branding that guy. Yeah, let's talk about that. I wanna ask, and I know um, it's tricky because everyone knows where everyone's worked. So say as much as you feel comfortable. Um, but Alice, you've worked at some studios that have won a lot of awards, um, and I assume you've been part of entering those awards. Is it is it legit? Are we redoing mock-ups to enter? Are we, you know, I mean, we've all seen, I've seen a case study recently that had a branded fire extinguisher. I doubt very much the clients paid for a branded fire extinguisher. Um, so have you always entered stuff that's real or when you've seen stuff, have you gone, oh, I don't know if that's, I don't know if that actually happened? I think it's tricky. So usually, for example, when you're doing a brand guidelines and you want to put in the conceptual ideas and the conceptual work, you create the visuals then, I think, a lot of the time. And yes, sometimes they're not actually produced, but it's still part, I think, of the process of the projects that you're trying to sell in this brand to the client. Um, so there have been times that I've worked on, you know, visuals and mock-ups that have been entered towards, but I think it's with the intention of this is as we were doing the project rather than, okay, we need to enter awards. What, what can we add to it? Um, I don't think it's that kind of level of fakeness, but there is obviously we can't um, kind of mock up absolutely everything or, you know, the client may not have the budget for some ideas, but they really like the ideas and they say, oh, maybe in two years we'll produce it. So I think, it's, I think that's that's real work though. If if it if it's real work that the client saw that the client signed off, that's in the guidelines, it's inspiration. That's part of the project. I making new stuff afterwards that it never existed before is different. Those like literally like three D renderings of signage for you know places that this doesn't exist is an actual piece, but that would be crucial for the actual real case study. So and I have like a real big problem with that because as a studio the success of the work is that it actually made it through the finish line, is activated at a quality level. And if it doesn't, then then there was bad meetings at the end, something didn't get approved, someone took over something, execution, execution falls short, then that should be the final work. That's the hardest part of the job is to get it through the finish line at that level 
And if it doesn't quite get there and then you still submit the stuff that you thought was badass, but it's not really the same, then that's, to me, not being honest. It's something I think jurors should just be aware of. How, are you, uh, no how easy is it to spot, that. though? Like, I, I'm i not going to name names because I've had a few, a few people in the DMs say this whole project was fake. This whole thing didn't happen. We had downtime in the studio on, and we, I can't, I couldn't Go possibly, on. I couldn't possibly. <laughs> uh, obviously I invited everyone on. The number one thing you can do is just go to the actual brand's website, not the case study. And that will, that tells the major story usually 95% of the time. Usually there's a mock-up of the website and the actual website. And those, and if we're doing branding and now like that digital application should be on point and it shouldn't be a flabby version of what's case study. I don't know. That's just me being a purist. But. I, I feel I feel like there might be some agencies out there who have a dedicated team just to doing the case studies for their yeah, website. Yeah, me too. Because <laughs> I don't know how you get enough time to put those case studies and renders and, and to get things them, together. And to get them ready so fast, right? Uh, the whole other team needing to do that because the design team doing the work can't do that. No, we're well. on to the next project. Yeah, exactly. You know, and if it's yeah, real yeah, work, you can just yeah. show the real work and you don't have to mock it up. So. <laughs> I think the fake work thing is, it, I think there is a lot of chat about that on juries and people do sometimes, you know, do the research, ask the awards organizers to get more information on the background of project. I mean, if something feels like it might be entirely fake, it's really hard to police, I think, when it comes to what we're talking about, which is how far have you tweaked the case study? And I think it's just a bit of integrity required from the people entering, right? But I know you just, people will do anything to win. And in advertising, maybe it's quite notorious, right? Like this one ad space that was one day that was, that ran in, a, you know, to win the award when, the rest of the campaign was rubbish or something. It it feels like there's a lot of nasty stuff that goes on. The other one, the other question I wanted to ask is: Do people mark down because of their opinion of the client? So, like a good example I can think of, and he wouldn't mind me saying because he's been on the podcast, is Fiverr rebrand for Koto got absolutely slammed um, because of the client rather than. I mean, I I couldn't. I don't want to comment on the actual work itself, but the design industry had a problem with the client, and that impacted how they talked about the work. Does that happen in in rooms of juries? If it's a nasty client, do people not want to judge the work? Yeah, I think it does. Um, there's a lot of you will have noticed that, especially in Cannes, uh, you know, to win big, often it's got to be for a great cause, something very emotional. Uh, that's you know. Uh, easier in advertising uh, to tell these emotional stories than it is in design, but you see that these these kind of social good or good cause works are winning a lot. And it can sometimes be the jury feel that is part of the criteria and it's not always. So I think that's really important too, you know, where there are where there are specific awards for good causes or for charitable work or things like that, that's a really important part of it. If you are just judging on something like idea, craft and relevance, it might be for a horrible person, you should probably park that opinion because it's not part of the criteria, right? And if you really don't want to be involved, step away from the jury, don't, don't get involved. Um, because you can go, you know, there are categories and whole award schemes that will award social good. Now, there's a lot of debate with that with DNAD because we've had certain presidents who say it should be part. We shouldn't be judging anything that's bad 
for that, that, that does bad in the world. And I, I think that's a whole other debate, right? Um, it's like, how, how can you make it a more subjective process is what I'm hearing. It's like it's people's opinions, people's experience. It's to do with the client. We're judging beautiful work next to strategic work. So I guess the like massive question is, creativity is so subjective. Is it even possible to add these, this criteria and is it possible to judge it equally? I think there are different award schemes for different types. You know, design effectiveness is, you know, proven. It's been designed. This design has increased sales or done good for the world, etc. Over time, and you have to, you can't enter those straight away because it takes time to to get that. But maybe things like DNAD, other big award schemes, they're very much more design focused. There is a subjectivity to it, but if you have a good reason for choosing it through ideas, craft, you know, etc., then that should take that should take the opinion out of it. It should. It doesn't always. I, I think it's entirely too nuanced and complicated to be judging, particularly branding work, I think is where I'm kind of going to throw this on that nugget. I feel like that whole sector is a fundamentally flawed space to try to judge in in some sort of specific way. It's way too complicated. I think it also, yeah, if you had to do a great branding job that was highly effective for an oil company and that wouldn't get judged well because of the company, that's already problematic because then there's bias. You also have, you know, effectiveness over the long term versus maybe it's poppy and cool and good for the uh, case study. So it wins the awards in the short term. It's way, it's, it's way too big and complex of something to deduce down into a competitive sort of thing. Um, it's not like, that's why I brought the architecture thing for, up um, because that's, those are, you know, submission of this is my building, I build the building. It's not like there's a lot of back and forth necessarily with clients and strategy and all this stuff. It's, or it, it's like, here's the piece of design that I made. Does the chair sit well, you know, does it work? It's more objective in a lot of these other, you know, creative environments. But I think branding as a whole is way too, way too complex to even remotely try to put it, piece it down um, into one little nugget. But it would be really interesting to like only judge branding after three years, say, you know, and and gather the the guidelines work, the the inspirational stuff, the original stuff, but then also see how that's applied by the people that have to apply it. I think that would be a really interesting I, way to judge branding. Hundred percent, because I've rebranded work that won huge awards within a short period of time after it was released, so I know very close from the pain points of the actual companies that did these projects, they're coming to us to solve a problem that the original project failed to do, although won a ton of awards. And this has happened a lot of times. And we, and I, and I don't know, this happens to be with the fix-it studio of broken rebrands that won awards. So like, it happens all the time. And I'm like, oh my God, this <laughs> won all these awards. I'd make a great annual. <laughs> I think the other problem is that um, all of the stuff that happens behind the scenes with a project that, you know, I think as creators, we can all understand, you know, the bonkers feedback or the strategy that takes a, quite a lot of time to build up to a project that's never really portrayed in an award scheme um, and possibly not thought about, you know, when you're judging a project like, OK, what have they, you know, what hurdles have they kind of overcome to get to this point? Um, so I think that's the other really tricky thing with branding that I saw a completely different side to um, when I worked at Johnson Banks, because 
strategy was such an integral part and it does influence I think the aesthetic and the outcome of a project quite a lot um, so I think that's tricky when you're comparing that to a project that's maybe you know completely self-initiated complete creative freedom how do you then yeah look at those two totally um, there's a couple of people in the DMs who are saying exactly that, that they've had work that they think would have won awards. Um, and then at the last minute, the clients had a wobbly um, and they feel like that happens to them all the time. And then they never get that kind of recognition that they're looking for. Um, but I've got a few more questions and I we, I want to make sure I get to them. So I'm going to I'm going to move on. Someone said that the people who hate them don't win them. They're bitter. Um, I've heard from a couple of people that they had done a really acclaimed project. It should have won. It didn't win. And they haven't entered since. So Mitch, is that what happened, is that what happened to you? Did you enter and it didn't, it didn't win? And now you're like, oh, never again. No, maybe, maybe it's a thing that I, I have a problem with. Once I've gotten into something and seen the inner workings of it, I tend to retreat. And this isn't just, this is everything. Like everything, my whole life I've been like that. So won this award, got the organization, checked it out. Uh, this is a little too complicated and political for me, so therefore I'm not going to take part in this and then be critical or get invited to be in part of an organization and see what's actually going on there. I don't actually really like. It. So then you you realize when I'm, I think what I've realized is that you know you we've idolized or built these things up for ourselves, and then immediately your expectations are completely like missed, and then you're disappointed in what the reality is. And and one of my big points I brought up in one of my tweets is that. That, I start to think about the mental health impacts of this competitive thing and expectations about winning stuff and all of these things. And then thinking about what we do creatively, dealing with a service-oriented or, creative business and already have the stressors of that. And then we started to pit each other's up in this you know, competition. Then it, then it can kind of become quite, I think, the negative for a lot of people that aren't maybe confident enough to do that and, and may be discouraging for their future projects and stuff. So I think once I saw that larger scale, I said, no way, this, isn't a, this is not a positive effect as a whole for an individual creative person who's just trying to find their way through this life of what you decided to do as a designer. So that's, that's my thing. I didn't win or lose. I got in and was like, this is a little not what I expected. So I don't know if I feel comfortable with it anymore. Just on that, because I know that you um, you won the Rising Star Award for Design Week. I can't I can't remember when. But hey, I was you don't ask me you don't ask me questions on the podcast. <laughs> Sorry, What's going no, on just, here? Just on that, and because a couple of years earlier I was nominated for that and I didn't win, and I was absolutely gutted. And I was like, you know, really as a junior, it was a bit of a like, oh, why didn't I win? But then I think, in a sense, it almost like through the years. I know it sounds a bit cliche, but it maybe you know kind of be like okay what can I improve on rather than seeing it as like oh I didn't win I'm gonna kind of go into my shell it just kind of encouraged I'd say in a bit more so I think it's there are but two sides again um to that I'd love to hear Kath and Rob like what it's like when you come back you know on on that day when it's announced and how the teams react when you do and and don't win I I mean I've uh, I, my whole career has been spent at the studios that value awards, right? So I was at Johnson Banks, at a very small studio. And I can see how important awards can be for individual practitioners and small studios to, to really have that profile, at just as much as somewhere like Superunion, where I am now. My experience, when I got nominated for something like the first year that I was working, it was super thrilling. I was very excited about it. I gate crashed the awards because my boss knew I, that we hadn't won. He knew 
you know, and he, he was like, I'm not paying for the ticket. But I was so excited that I went with my uh, design partner and we just gate crashed and walked in and minesweeped all the wine. And it was super exciting, even though we didn't win, right? We were nominated. We were beaten by the partners, which is where I ended up next, um, ironically. But it was, you know, it was disappointing, yes. But it was, you know, I'd, I've certainly bought into this from my student days and, you know, the highs and lows. So I do try to prepare the teams to not make it everything, because if you know it's a great project, you should be fucking proud of it, right? And the award, it might come and then you can be super excited, but it might not. But it doesn't mean that the work's any less. Um, so I think you do have to have that confidence in yourself that you know what good work is. And then if you if you win, it's super exciting. I have a lot of respect for agencies that don't enter. I remember when I started, GTF didn't enter and I thought they were amazing. And, you know, I really respected them. And I think actually opting out is super cool. It's just like, we don't do it. Yeah, we get we get disappointed if it doesn't get awarded the level that we it thought it would, and the designers do too. But at the same time, uh, it makes us strive again. We just go, oh, I thought that was a great idea. All right, let's carry on. You know, let's and let's just do our best work next year and enter again, or we just go, oh, as a shit jury, no, <laughs> no idea what they're doing. You just got to take it with a bit of humour, I think, with awards too. I think getting all tied up with too many things i think there's benefits to awards there's pros and cons as we've discussed and just um i think as you you were saying going to the events is great just to meet up with your fellow mates that you might not have seen for many years or you know just have a drink together and to discuss um i miss that too i remember in london i've been in san francisco now 20 years i do remember in london going to dnad talks not the not the awards but going to talks which were great and then going out to the pub afterwards and everybody was there you knew everybody and you'd say oh, well done on that piece of work or good job on that piece of work in the back of your mind you're thinking you bastard i'm gonna beat you next time there's some kind of there is you're some in it for I'm in it for the beer. Yeah, exactly. That's all I'm in for. All right. The beers and the free bars. But there you this go. Competitive, you know, with awards, yeah. it helps improve the industry. You know? yeah. So, yeah. Finish finish a project and then forget about it. You're on to the next. <laughs> the award is like a rehash of what happened on that project that I don't want to have to think about again. And then it just reappears like, oh, shit, here we are. Oh, I had a whole year of this client that I don't want to see oh, ever what, again. And then it's like, over again. again. I mean, I, I would say I think they're less relevant now than they were 20 years ago, because 20 years ago is how I found the good agencies to go and apply to, right? I, I, I went through the DNAD index, cross-referenced it with the Design Week Awards League, because no one had any work on their website. I had to read creative review and print magazines to just even find out who'd done what. So, uh, of course, that was a great way to narrow down who was doing good stuff then. Now we can all promote our own work. You're probably going on to Instagram and saying who's got the most followers. They're a good agency. You know, it's a totally different way of judging um, things. And there's much more opportunity for people to just opt out of awards. And I think that's a good thing for people like you. If you don't want to be part of it, you don't have to play the game, right? There's, there's always going to be amazingly successful people that just don't want to get involved. And that's fine, I think. As I was saying at the beginning, I think, it's my opinion as a partner of six partners in Mucho. I have this opinion. I like awards and I'm for them. Many of my other partners would say they're completely against them and don't enter. But we enter and they don't. As you said, it's, it's up to you. There's no right or wrong. 
someone sent this in as a DM that kind of led us on your point, Kath, which I thought was really nice, is I'm not really referencing things from awards shortlists. I'm referencing agencies across the world, one-man bands in their bedrooms, you know, work has never been more visible. And they then they went on to say that they feel like awards schemes have never been less relevant. But I just think that's an interesting thing when we're all pulling references together for projects over the next couple of weeks to think about actually, is any of this in the, have we seen any of these in the shortlists? And on that bombshell, I'm going to wrap us up because we've been going forever and we're on a few different time zones. I knew this was going to be really good. I got a bit fired up in the middle. So that 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 must be a good sign. Um, thank you so much, everyone, um, for your experience, being super candid and not being afraid to disagree, which is what it's all about, really. Um, so thanks, everyone. Oh, I got a bit fired up then. Who do you agree with, disagree with? I'm sure everyone's got a lot of opinions on what they just heard. At the NDA podcast on Insta and Twitter, let me know. Tag our guests. You'll find their social handles there too. We're coming up to the end of season one. Season two is looking good, but I want some younger guests. So recommend people to me, your more junior team members. Tell them that they're allowed to have whatever opinion they want without any repercussions. Huge thank you to Jamie Lull and Toby McLaren for the NDA soundtrack and to James from Be Heard from editing this episode. Everything's over on our YouTube with closed captions, so go and catch that there if you need it. I'm Katie Cadwell. This is NDA. Catch ya. Catch ya.